This is John Williams reaching out to our old friend Thomas Jefferson. President Jefferson, are you there? Good day to you, my friend. Last we spoke, it was the eve of the Super Bowl, and you were describing your Super Bowl party. Um, you wanted to do some reading and reciting and a little violin playing. We went to the Hamiltons, had a great time. Uh, I hope you had a good weekend either way. Yes, I read Livy and drank a, a couple of very nice glasses of Chateau Ikem. Right. We did one of those pools where you put a dollar down and you get a square, and then depending on the score each quarter, you get money. They had a cookout. We had some beer. It was a very fun time, but I'm glad you had a good time as well, sir. Well, I did, of course, and I must say I'm sorry to hear that you were gambling. Uh, I saw gambling desolate many of the best houses in Virginia. Once you get that addiction, yeah. it's very hard to maintain any sort of fiscal responsibility. Right, right. It was just little squares in, a, in somebody's living room. Uh, I, I want to kind of do a little odd time travel for you here. Um, President Barack Obama came to Springfield, Illinois, this week and spoke to reporters and to some of his old pals. He got together with people that he had worked previously with in the Illinois Assembly. And then he spoke to the press. I want to play for you a soundbite of President Obama's, and then I want you to react to it. First, let's put to rest a couple of myths about our politics. One is the myth that the problems with our politics are new. They are not. American politics has never been particularly gentle or high-minded especially not during times of great change. As I mentioned when I visited a mosque in Maryland last week, Thomas Jefferson's opponent tried to stir things up by suggesting he was a Muslim, so I'm in good company. <laughs> but that's nothing compared to the newspaper, which warned that if Jefferson were elected, murder, robbery, rape, adultery, and incest will be openly taught and practiced. His vice president, Aaron Burr, literally killed Alexander Hamilton in a duel. I don't want to even tell you what Andrew Jackson's opponent said about his mama. <laughs> Lincoln himself was routinely called weak, wishy-washy, a yahoo, an unshapely man, the obscene ape of Illinois, and my favorite, a facetious pettifogger. I don't know what that means, but it sounds insulting. <laughs> so comparatively speaking, today's not that bad. Your reaction, President Jefferson? Well, it is true, my friend, that when I stood for the presidency in 1800, my enemies, the Federalists, uh, accused me of all sorts of things that I had no uh, recollection of or, and, and had never uh, done in the course of my life. They said, for example, that I had cheated revolutionary war widows of their estates, uh, no basis in fact, uh, that I was a dangerous Jacobin, a sort of a communist or uh, someone of, of a violent free thinker in the manner of Robespierre. Uh, that certainly wasn't true. They said that I was an atheist. Uh, I would not respond to that because I believe that a person's, uh, a person's religious life is entirely private. But I will say this, I was not an atheist, I was a deist. And they said that if I were elected, our daughters would be thrown into houses of prostitution, our children would be writhing on the pike, in other words, a, an American reign of terror like the French 
reign of terror, and so on and so forth. Now, I never responded to any of these charges because they're so ridiculous, but I think your current president is correct when he says that politics in my time was not particularly more civil than in yours. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, I don't know if therefore we're okay or we all should be ashamed of ourselves, but I guess it's all metaphor. I mean, they're just... Nobody means those things, and shame on us if we believe them, I guess. Well, some people did believe them. You know, I heard reports that widows in Delaware and old women buried their Bibles in their gardens because they had heard that I would confiscate the Bible when I became president. And, you know, I want to say that even though these were vicious and unfair attacks on me, well-meaning people had serious doubts about whether I was qualified to be president. They thought I was too radical that I had spent too long in France, that I had picked up French manners and something of the fanaticism that they saw in the French Revolution. They believed that I might redistribute income, uh, that I might uh, destroy the Constitution or eliminate Colonel Hamilton's national debt of the United States and so on. And most of this was wrong and some of it deliberately misleading. But, but I do believe that honest Americans, of which there were six million, uh, some of them felt that I would be a dangerous president, and so they looked for pamphleteers and scandal mongers and and journalists who had no commitment to objectivity or truth to try to spread as much black story about my life as possible in the hopes that they would turn the election, and, and they nearly did. Hmm. I, I wonder if that, you know, you could say, well, Fox is on one side and MSNBC is on another or this columnist is over here and that talk show host is over there. And and I wonder if we still have the equivalent of that today, because what you've described seems so utterly partisan. It's hard to believe anybody would read that. But then again, what do we do but watch TV and listen to radio in this country? Of course, people have, a, I think, a, a natural uh, affinity for scandal and rumor and innuendo. And support of their views, too. I think we go hunting for opinions that mirror our own, and rather than trying to get a broader view, we want to just validate our opinion. No, no question. Most of the newspapers in my time were weeklies or biweeklies. There were very few dailies, but most of them were Federalist rags. And there was no editorial page. They opinionated throughout. They made things up whenever it was useful to them. And a, a small number of newspapers were, from my persuasion, they were Republican newspapers, but they were fewer in number and, and less uh, successful and influential. But it's true that even in 1800, people would read that which um, reinforced their own view of the world and their own political prejudices, and they would dismiss uh, the opposition newspapers as being beneath contempt. So I think your your current president is right that many of the things that you think are particularly virulent or troubling in your time have roots that go back to the Civil War, but even further, go back to the early national period when Hamilton and Washington and Adams were on one side and Madison and Monroe and I were on the other side. And, and I will say, even though I hate to admit it, each side did things that were unscrupulous and unfair and are really not in keeping with our dream of a rational republic. Yeah. By the way, when your vice president, Aaron Burr, shot Alexander Hamilton, what was Hamilton's position then? Oh, he was dead, of course. Uh, Hamilton was was in retirement. He had served. He, he was right. Okay. And when that happened, pardon me, but my, my question more so is this. Um, what was your reaction? Did you think... 
you know, karma or or I wonder if there was any private or silent glee's not the right word, but I know he was no friend of yours. Well, he was now a lawyer in New York. New York turned out to be too small for both Colonel Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Burr, as you say, was the sitting vice president of the United States. Uh, they fought a duel in Weehawken, New Jersey, on the other side of the Hudson in July of 184. Hamilton is said to have withheld his fire, in other words, not to have shot uh, directly at Colonel Burr, but Burr uh, shot uh, to kill, at least to hurt Hamilton, and did kill him. And I think Hamilton lived 33 hours after the, the shooting. When I heard the news, I was saddened for Hamilton's family. He left a wife and young children in really desperate uh, conditions. Uh, his daughter went insane. His wife was inconsolable. Uh, their finances were in disarray. And, of course, they had lost not only a father but one of the great men of our time. But, you know, I couldn't, I could not fail to be a, silently a little satisfied, John, because Hamilton had been such a, a problem in my life. He had been so um, powerful and unfair in the way that he wrote about me and so on. And so he was now eliminated in, in the most violent sort of way from, from further difficulties in our republic. But, but also it, it eliminated Colonel Burr. I mean, Burr was now indicted for murder in several states. He had to flee. Um, he was finished as a serious uh, political factor in our lives. So in a certain way, my two greatest enemies um, eliminated the problem of their opposition because of their, their foolish and infantile commitment to dueling. In one shot, it's amazing, uh, and 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 hard to believe that that actually happened. I, I want to pause and talk to you more. As I want to, I want to pause and talk to you more in our next podcast about um, what you would do to improve the 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 the, the campaign season. Uh, I was reading today that in in uh, France, it's a matter of two weeks and in Germany it's about six and when reporters from Europe come and watch <laughs> the marathon that is our campaigning in in this country th th they're almost bewildered uh, I wonder what you would suggest as a way to improve the election process in this country are you game for that conversation sir certainly let me think about it and when we talk next I will I will hope to have a good answer 